good morning. Thank you for joining us once again for our word of the day. This morning, we're going to be looking at Job chapter 18 and 19. Uh, now, as we remember yesterday, we looked at Job chapter 3. And in Job chapter 3, Job begins to complain about how he's being treated by God. He, he's saying that God is unjust, God is treating him unfairly. And then the next 15 chapters, we get this conversation between Job and his three friends. And his three friends are accusing him of sinning. Their argument is that God is great and God is just and God punishes the wicked. And so since Job is being punished, then he must be one of the wicked. And they, they call him some terrible things. They, they call him a, a, a liar. They call him a hypocrite. They accuse him of some great unknown sin that they're unaware of but God knows about. And just keep telling Job, hey, if you'll just repent, if you'll just confess your sin and get right with God, then God will stop judging you. And so in chapter 18, Job, he's responded once again, defending himself, saying, you know, I've not, I don't have this great sin. I don't have this huge issue in my life. Uh, I know where I am with God. Chapter 16, we get this great verse where he says, my, my record's on high, where he says, look, I, I know where I stand with God, and God knows where I stand with God, and my record with God is clear, and my record with God is clean, so you guys need to stop accusing me of doing things I'm not doing. And then in chapter 18, uh, his friend Bildad speaks again. Uh, and so starting in verse number one, then answered Bildad the Shuite and said, how long will it be ye make an end of words? Mark and afterwards we will speak. So what Bildad basically says is if, if Job would stop talking and listen to what they're saying, then he would understand what's going on. He would understand how he's being treated fairly by God because God judges the wicked, and he would gain some wisdom. Uh, then look in verse number 3. He says, Wherefore are we counted as beasts and reputed vile in your sight? He teareth himself in his anger. Shall the earth be forsaken for thee? Shall the rock be removed out of his place? So he, he's insulted that Job has not listened to their advice, specifically his. He goes, you think we're, we're as dumb as beasts? We're as wise as an animal or a dog? And you know, how, how dare you not listen to us? We're, we're trying to help you here, Job. We're trying to get you out of this mess that you have gotten yourself into. And then in verse, verse 5 through 19, he goes on a, a tangent talking about how the wicked are treated by God. Starting in verse 5, he says, Yea, the light of the wicked shall be put out. The spark of his little fire shall not shine. The light shall be dark in his tabernacle, and his candle shall be put out with him. The steps of his strength shall be straightened, and his own counsel shall cast him down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet, and he walketh upon a snare. The gin shall take him by the heel, and the robber shall prevail against him. The snare is laid for him in the ground, and a trap for him in the way. Terror shall make him afraid on every side, and he shall drive him to his feet. His strength shall be hunger-bitten, and destruction shall be ready at his side. He shall devour the strength of his skin. Even the firstborn of death shall devour the strength. His confidence shall be rooted out of his tabernacle, and it shall bring him to the king of terrors. It shall dwell in his tabernacle because it is none of his brimstone, because it is none of his brimstone shall be scattered upon his habitation. 
His roots shall be dried up beneath and above shall his branch be cut off. His remembrance shall perish from the earth and he shall have no name in the street. He shall be driven from the light into darkness and chased out of the world. He shall neither have son nor nephew among his people nor any remaining in his dwelling. So he, he goes on and says, look, man, this is how the wicked are treated. The wicked, they're, they're put into darkness. They're, they're snared in traps. They're, they suffer terror. They're, they're never safe. They, they wither like plants. They are forgotten by the world. And since this is what is happening to Job, and this is what happens to the wicked, then Job has to be one of the wicked because, once again, God only punishes the wicked. And so what Job is experiencing is because of Job's sin. Now, we know that Job hasn't sinned. Job knows that Job hasn't sinned, but his friends just keep coming at him saying, look, you must have made God mad. You must have sinned against God because God is just and God doesn't allow these things to happen to people unless they're wicked. Then look in verse number 21, 20 and 21, how he finishes his, his attack of Job. They that come after him shall be astonished, and this day, at his day, as they that went before were affrighted. Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked, and this is the place of him that knoweth God. So what he's saying here is that people are witnessing what's happening to Job. They're seeing how he lost his wealth. They're seeing how he, he lost his health. They're seeing how he lost his children, how his wife turned against him, and they're going to say Job got what Job deserved. Now, this is a terrible response. This is, this is nothing short of cruel of how Bildad is, is treating Job, how he's, a, he's accusing Job. And here's what God is trying to get us to see in chapter number 18, and we'll get into chapter number 19 in a second. But he is telling us not to judge people by what they're going through. You know, maybe they're suffering because of judgment. Maybe they're being tested by God. Maybe God is, even in the heartache and the hurt and the pain, maybe God is showing mercy by, by doing something better for them. And we see it at the end of Job's life where Job receives double of everything he lost uh, in this, this kind of confrontation between God and Satan. And so he's telling us that, we should just be merciful to people. Just love them. You know, someone in your life may be, may be suffering. It's not your, your responsibility, and it's not your place to come to them and tell them, well, you know what, God's judging you for whatever you've done in your life. God's punishing you because of how you live. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's happening. Yeah, maybe God may be punishing them. Maybe God may be judging them. Maybe God's helping them or doing something greater in their life. Maybe God is, is testing their faith. We don't know what they're doing. Our response is to just simply be there for them, to love them, to encourage them, to help them. Because here's the thing. If someone's going through something hard and it is a result of a sin, because here's what we, got, what we got to remember as believers. God doesn't punish us for our sin anymore. If you're saved by the grace of God, your sin was punished on the cross when Jesus died for you. 
Your sin was paid for through his death and his burial, and you are redeemed to God the Father, so God will no longer pour out his wrath on you for your sin. But there are consequences for sin. We do reap what we sow. And so through our sin, though God doesn't punish us, there are consequences for it. But no one in the history of the world has ever come back to God or ever realized they're wrong or ever confessed their sin because some friend of theirs came and said, well, God's judging you, you better get right with God. Because if they are sinning and they are suffering because of sin, their pride is just going to make them puff up and say, How? you don't know what I'm going through. And that's what Job's doing. Now, Job's not full of pride. Job's not suffering for sin. Job's suffering for our benefit. Job's suffering for us to look at years later and learn from. But his friends didn't know that. What their response should have been was just to love Job and help Job and encourage Job. And in chapter 19, Job has to respond. Now, remember, up until this point, no one knows why Job is going through what Job is going through except God and Satan. Job doesn't even know what's going on. He's just feeling mistreated by God. He's feeling rejected by God. He's feeling attacked by God. And now he's being attacked by his friends. And so he responds, and look what he says in verse number one. He goes, Then Job answered and said, How long will you vex my soul and break me in pieces with, word, with words? These ten times have you reproached me. Ye are not ashamed that ye make yourselves strange to me. So Job is, is saying to them, Look, I'm being mistreated by God, and now I'm being mistreated by my friends. And if you've ever been hurt, by a friend, that's a, that's a deep hurt. That's a hurt that's hard to get over when someone who you thought was there for you, you thought had your back, you thought cared for you, suddenly turns on you and starts attacking you. I've had that happen in my life. And it's a deep hurt. And remember, it's not just his friends that have done this, his wife has done this. His wife has come to him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, she says that and leaves, and we don't hear anything else from her for the rest of the story, but Job's dealing with that hurt. He's dealing with the fact that, you know, he's, he's mourning the loss of his children. He's suffering physically. He's lost all of his possessions. He feels like God is treating him unfairly. His wife has turned her back on him, and now his friends attack him. And he's like, why, why are you guys doing this to me? You're supposed to, to encourage me. You're supposed to help me. You're supposed to be there for me. Don't do this to me. Don't attack me. And so he's feeling attacked on every side. And then in verse number four, he says, And be it indeed that I have erred, mine error remaineth with myself. So he says, look, even if I have sinned, it's not your place to accuse me. It's not your place to attack me. As a friend, if I had sinned, your responsibility is to help me see the error of my ways in a loving way and help me get back to God. Now look, as believers, if we have friends that are also believers that we know are living in sin, we do have a responsibility to confront them. We do have a responsibility to go to them. Jesus tells us that in Matthew. If someone's offended us, if someone has sinned, and we know, and we know it for a fact. This isn't just, oh, I heard through the grapevine or this gossip going on, or something's happening in your life, and so you have to have sinned. 
if we know that they've sinned, we have a responsibility because of our love for them, not because we're better than them or God's chosen us to rebuke them, but because we love them, we have a responsibility to go to them in love and confront them. And that's not what his friends are doing. His friends aren't confronting him in love because they know he has sinned. They are attacking him because they figure, hey, you've, you're suffering, so you, you have to have sin in your life. And Job's saying, look, if I have sin in my life, it's not your business to rebuke me or to, to attack me. Your responsibility is to lovingly bring it to my attention so I can get back to a right standing with God. And look what he says in verse number five and six. If indeed you will magnify yourselves against me and plead against me my reproach, know now that God hath overthrown me and hath compassed me with his net. So he says, look, even if I had sinned, what I'm going through is excessive. What I'm dealing with is, is still unfair. So he's not accusing his friends right now. He's accusing God. He's saying, look, you guys have been saying for, you know, 15 chapters now that God is just and God judges the wicked. I'm telling you, I haven't, I'm not wicked. I know where I stand with God. I know my heart with God. My record's on high, but even if I had sinned, what God's doing is unfair. So your assumption that God is just is wrong because I'm being treated unjustly. So now he starts accusing God. Not a great place to be in your walk with God. But look at verse number seven. He says, behold, I cry out of wrong, but I am not heard. I cry aloud, but there is no judgment. So he says, look, again, look, I've cried to God. I've asked God to reveal anything in my life that is unpleasing to him, that is, that is detrimental to my relationship with him. I've cried to God for mercy. I've cried to God for an answer, and God hasn't answered me. You ever been there where you've, you've cried out to God? Something's going on in your life. Maybe you're suffering similarly to Job. Maybe you're going through health issues or financial problems or relationship problems. You've got a child who's, who's gone astray or a spouse who just abandoned you for seemingly no reason, and you're suffering and you're going through it, and you've cried to God, and God doesn't seem to answer you. I've been there before. It's a hard place to be, and that's where Job is right now. Then look at verses 8 through 13. And in these verses, he, he starts talking about how God has treated him. He says, He hath fenced my way that I cannot pass, and he hath set darkness in my paths. He hath stripped me of my glory and hath taken the crown away from my head. He hath destroyed me on every side, and I am gone, and my hope hath he removed like a tree. He hath also kindled his wrath against me, and he counteth me unto him as one of his enemies. His troops come together and raise their way against me and, and camp round about my tabernacle. He has put my brethren far from me, and my acquaintances are very estranged from me. So he's look, God's, God's blocked my path. God's, he, he's taken away my honor. He's attacked me on, on every side. He's, he's taken away my hope. It seems like his armies are fighting against me. And worst of all, He's turned my friends against me. Then look at verse 14. This is how he says others have wronged him. My kinsfolk have failed and my familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in mine house and my maids count me for a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I called my servant and he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. 
My breath is strange to my wife, though I entreated for my children's sake of mine own body. Yea, young children despised me. I arose and they spake against me. All my inward friends abhorred me, and they whom I loved are turned against me. So he goes, look, every relationship in his life has turned against him. He's lost his children. His wife's turned her back on him. His servants in his house are talking bad about him. And even his friends, his, his closest friends, these four men who are supposed to encourage him and, and love him and, and help him, they've, they've attacked him. They've turned their back on him. He's forsaken. He feels like he has been forsaken by man and by God. Then look in verse 20. My bone cleaveth to my skin and to my flesh, and I am escaped with skin of my, of my teeth. So he goes, look, even not just relationally am I suffering, not just financially am I suffering, not, am I just, not only am I grieving the loss of my children, I've lost my health. Everything has gone wrong in my life. Then he continues in verse 21 and 22. Have pity upon me, have pity upon me, O ye my friends, for the hand of God hath touched me. Why do you persecute me as God? and are not satisfied with my flesh. Now, right now, he's not com- he's not, he says, look, I'm not complaining. I don't know what God's doing. I don't like what God's doing. I feel like God's rejected me, but, but I trust God. I'm not asking you to, to complain with me or to accuse God for me. I'm just asking you to have mercy on me. I'm just asking you to have some pity on me and Show me some love and, and show me some respect. And that's all we can ask for in, in times of trouble, and times of suffering. Not just mercy from God, but mercy from other people. Mercy from those that are supposed to love us, that are supposed to care about us, that are supposed to help us. And in verse number 23 and 24, he says, and, um, Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book that they were given with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. He goes, I just wish, and this is kind of ironic since we're reading it from Scripture, I just wish that my story and what's really happening could be written down so that somebody somewhere in the future could read this and have mercy on me and learn from what I'm going through. And it's kind of ironic because that's exactly what's happening that God is pinning these words down and pinning this experience down for us thousands of years later to read and to see how we should treat people who are going through difficult times, how we should respond when we're going through difficult times, and learn from what Job's going through. Then in verse number 25, he says this, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, And though after my skin, worms, destroy this body, and in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and another through my reins be consumed within me. So what he's telling us is, even though we're the audience he's speaking to, even though he's speaking to his friends, we're not the audience that he wants, and we're not the audience that he needs. He wants to speak to God. He wants to talk to God and find out what's going on. But he gives some hope there. He goes, look, God, yeah, he's, 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 pun- he's punishing me, it seems like. It seems like he's treating me unfairly. 
but he's my redeemer. He is looking at the sovereignty of God and saying, look, I don't know what's going on. I don't like what's going on, but I trust what's going on because God is good. God is great. God does love me, and God is my redeemer. And he says, look, one day, if it's tomorrow or in 30 or 40 or 50 years, one day I'm going to die and my suffering's going to be over. And when my suffering's over, I get to spend eternity with my God. He doesn't say I'm going to ask him what's happened. I'm not going to demand a response or demand to know what's happened. He goes, just look, after all this is said and done, I have eternity with God the Father. That's, a, that's the hope that he shows us in his suffering, that, yeah, he's suffering. Yeah, he's going through some difficult times. Yeah, it seems like God's treating them unfairly, but he knows God's not because that's not how God acts. And even if the worst happens and he dies, it's mercy because he gets to spend eternity with his Redeemer. He doesn't know what's happening, but he knows that God's on his side. And then look at how he closes in verses 28 and 29. But ye should say, why persecute him, seeing the root of the matter is found in me? Be ye afraid of the sword, for wrath bringeth the punishment of the sword, that ye may know there is judgment. Job's not threatening his friends. He's not saying, you guys better shut up or I'm going to get my sword and attack you. He is warning them that if they don't recognize what God is doing and just love Job and show Job some grace and some mercy, then God will judge them. And when their judgment comes, they're going to understand what he's going through. So here's, here's the lesson of Job 18 and Job 19. Give people grace. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know why they're going through what they're going through. All we know is God's in control, God is sovereign, God loves them, and we're to trust what God is doing. And we encourage them with that. Someone's suffering, don't go to them and say, hey, you must have sinned, you must have done wrong, you better get right with God. But just to remind them, God's in control. God's sovereign. You may not understand what God is doing, but you can trust that he's doing it for your good. That's all we can do when people are suffering, and that's what we have to remember when we're suffering. Thank you so much for joining us today for our Word of the Day. Tomorrow we're going to take a little break from the book of Job. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 1 and chapter 2. Have a blessed day. We'll see you tomorrow.